Hey, if you love the NFL draft, check out the Ringer NFL draft show. It is heading toward the draft like a comet. We also have the Ringer Gambling Show where we will have last minute prop bets as well. And Ryan Rosillo's podcast will be covering a lot of that stuff as well. The NFL Draft, find it on The Ringer. You can also find our Ringer NFL Draft Guide too on TheRinger.com. It's great. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened? Your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Monopoly Go. It's halftime and the scoreboard's not looking good. You're not sure you can pull out a win? That's when you say to yourself, it's time to get back in the game, pull off some bank heists and take as much of my friend's money as I possibly can. That's right. The hit mobile game, Monopoly Go, lets you compete with your friends to be the biggest tycoon ever. I might do this with my high school friends. We used to play Monopoly all the time. It's the Monopoly you love, but on your phone anytime with tons of new twists, including leaderboards to compare your progress. There's so much to do. Play on countless dynamic Monopoly boards. Make your friends bankrupt by smashing their landmarks with a wrecking ball. Charge other players rent for your iconic properties. Maybe you'll even play against me. I'm great at Monopoly. You could even work with your friends to crack open community chests and in tournaments to get extra rewards. Get back out there. Put on your game face. Download Monopoly Go. Now free on the App Store or Google Play. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network. I mentioned a new rewatchables coming on Monday night. League of Their Own, me, Mallory Rubin. That's happening. You can find Ryan Rosillo's podcast on there as well. You can find all of our NFL Draft podcasts, Ringer NFL Draft Show, Ringer NFL Show, Ringer Gambling Show. Uh, we will be hitting it hard. What a week coming up. If you missed part one of this podcast, it already happened a few hours ago. We covered the Celtics and the Nets and a whole bunch of other things. This is part two. Me, Rosillo. Here we go. First, our friends from Pearl Jam. <laughs> All right, it's part two of the podcast. Rosillo is here again. Thank God we waited. Suns Pelicans was extraordinary. In part one, I was a little bit of a KD apologist, and now we bring in the premier CP3 apologist, Ryan Rosillo. Uh, yet another cheap shot foul by Chris. Alvarado is just being a pest. You could see him ready to snap, but that's not the story. The story, we have a real series. We have a series that, if I'm a Suns fan, I am just in a fucking curled ball right now, wondering what happened to my season, my guarantee. They were even to make the finals on FanDuel. And now I'm wondering if I can win two of three against a team that won 36 games this season. Not great, Bob. Um, you know what's funny is watching this one play out at the end, though. I go, okay, you know, whatever. Like, this is not going their way. And then I was like, oh, yeah, it's 2-2. And then Big Cat started immediately texting me, like, how are you going to feel if Chris Paul blows it in a 1-8 matchup? Yeah. And, I mean, it was him definitely trying to turn the knife a little bit. Yeah. And 
I was like, you know, I, I guess you didn't watch game one or game three. And then I was like, wait, what could they lose? Could they lose the Pelicans? I can't even process that happening, despite how much respect I have for New Orleans. I'm ready to be to get there because of what happened basically from the moment Booker left this series. Game three was close. Chris had to really reach back into the bag of tricks to even get that one going the way it needed to go for the Suns. In this game, I never felt like the Pelicans were going to lose like halfway through the third quarter. Really? Come I on. I really did. So when Shamit's making those trail jumpers and they've no, got it to like I, five with Chris Paul at the start of the fourth quarter, you're not going, oh, here we go again. No. I have a hard time believing that. I'm telling you, I was watching it going, I was thinking about, should I, should I live bet the Suns? And then I was like, no, I'm not going to. I think the Pelicans are going to win this game. The, the Valanciunas, Ingram, McCollum threesome versus basically Chris Paul and a bunch of guys who can't create shots for themselves just became more and more appetizing as that game going. And then the stuff they were doing to Chris, where does Alvarado rank on the Patrick Beverly, Ken Linsman agitator rankings for you? Is he moving up the ladder? Well, I respect Alvarado more than I do Beverly. I mean, Beverly pulls all this shit, and then you'll be like, oh, he went two for nine and took like yeah. two completely ill-advised threes. So Beverly actually becomes overrated because of all the shit that he does. And yeah. people always come to me being like, oh, why would you be like this against Beverly, but not so much Chris Paul? And I'm like, I don't know, maybe because he's 10 times the fucking player. That mm. would be a good place to start. I like this. You're salty after this I am. game four. <laughs> I'm fucking heated. It's like three is a mirage. The game one masterpiece, a mirage. And it's just going to suck because if they lose this, no one will care that Booker was out because, and by the way, they shouldn't lose the Pelicans still with Booker out. But, you know, if you don't like Chris Paul, I mean, hell, ESPN used to put up like all his blown series and I'd be like, you realize he's missing in half of these, um, which again is part on him because he can't stay healthy all the time. But as I've said for years now, none of us ever change our minds. So if you don't like Chris Paul, you're ready to go. The foul on Herb Jones, though. Herb Jones knocked the shit out of him like five minutes prior. So you knew the retaliation was coming. And oh, yeah. I'm not saying that as if Chris likes. There's plenty of stuff that Chris Paul does during games that I don't like. It's just that the rest of the other stuff is as perfect as it gets for a point guard. So there you go. Chris Paul, four points tonight. 11 assists. Um, the Pelicans were using a version of the Celtics KD plan. They were just in his space. They were invading his personal space over and over again. But the thing that shocked me, Ingram had 30 again, 11 for 23. McCollum, 8 for 21. I mean, he's he's probably had a little more trouble um, against these wings than um, maybe he expected. But they're still getting points from their dudes. Jonas, Jonas had 26. And then they have these role players that are popping up. I'm so happy Larry Nance finally found the right team. How many years did it take? 25 years before he... <laughs> finally <laughs> moved into his offensive rebounder, energy guy uh, reality that he was looking at. I have an important question for you, though. I have two important questions. Surudi wondered this. Do we owe David Griffin an apology? I already did this segment last week. So what do you, what's your answer? On your podcast, I did it. But what's your answer? Do we officially owe him? Because I didn't apologize. Yes. yes. Well, I didn't really kill him the way the rest of you guys did. The Stan Van Gundy hiring was terrible. Terrible. The Alonzo, whatever the hell he did with that, was pretty terrible. Right? Right. But I, I kept liking what the front office was doing. It was on your podcast where I said, we need to give the Pelicans, I said, all the David Griffith shit, which I understood, and the Zion part of it is overshadowed that this front office has done a terrific job and the McCollum trade. 
And it sucks that Zion, apparently, I don't know what the hell's going on now because I've heard a million different things all season long. Well, did you um, see him on the sidelines? Yeah, he looks huge. He looks huge. Somebody hugged him and they were wrapping their arms around him and it was like the entirety of their arms going around him. I, which brings me to my second question. Would you rather have Herb, jo- Herb Jones or Zion going forward? You can Zion. have one or the other. You'd rather have Zion still. This is insane. That's ins- an insane question. <laughs> Did you see Zion today? He looked like he weighed 320 pounds. Right. But the, Why is he gaining weight? Some guys bulk. Some guys slim <laughs> down. <laughs> I do love Herb Jones. I, I'm look, Second round pick? The fact that he was, I mean, to have Herb Jones and Alvarado chasing you around, you know, that's like all the size, the wingspan. He's blocking these jumpers. The two blocks he had of what on what was it, bridges in the right corner. He looked like a long he looked like Bob yeah. Beeman <laughs> jumping from <laughs> the paint up in the air. It's like he went for the twenty nine foot record. I don't know what happened. I don't know where Zion fits into what I'm watching in this series. I know he does because we know how incredible he was last year when he was in shape. But at the same time, there's gotta be I, I would argue McCollum is probably a better fit with Ingram that maybe Zion was instead of that dueling banjos, Zion trying to run the offense. And now it just seems like there's a natural fit with role players, what, what Valanciunas brings to the table. And throwing Zion in that, I think, would be a pretty weird fit. Now, if he was in shape, it wouldn't matter because he's great. But fat Zion, I don't know. Fat Zion, I don't know what's going to look like either. I don't. I don't know. Uh, I loved watching him last year. Me too. It was it was a lot of fun, but I don't think it was a lot of fun for Brandon Ingram. And I think the great thing about CJ is that when you play with Dame as long as he did, you know you'll have your moments to initiate the offense, but a lot of times you got to figure out how to fit in because you're playing with Dame. So I think CJ's at an age two where it's also, you know, if you were 23 and worried about the next big contract and all that kind of stuff, those guys aren't as uh, flexible from a basketball standpoint. And you can be a little bit later when you've made all your money and all that kind of stuff. The Zion part of it, though, made me, and I know we're going to get into this a little bit later, but Brandon Ingram carried this team for stretches with just incredible plays. Yeah. And you go, oh, wow, that's right. This guy can be awesome at times. And anybody that, you know, that watches knows that. But I think Ingram probably got dinged up a little bit last year, to your point, because it probably, even though it worked offensively for Zion, to be point Zion and nobody seemed to be able to do anything with it, I don't know that it was a blast if you were Ingram to go, cool, this is what I do now. Right. I'm I'm (laughs) over here. 37 in game two, 34 in game three, and uh, 30 tonight. And I thought he was the best player in the game. Now, it's a lot easier to load up on Chris Paul when Devin Booker isn't there. And they're asking Landry Shamit, who I think has been on six teams in the last four years, hey, can you do a Devin Booker impersonation for us? And the answer is no. So, if you're just throwing guys, you have this young team, you have the home energy crowd, all that stuff. I wonder if it could be replicated in Phoenix. Because now Phoenix is, Phoenix is obviously a fantastic regular season team. Booker was a big part of it, but they're still a fantastic regular season team. And they've had a chance to look at this New Orleans thing now. And they're going to have a chance to do some adjustments and stuff like that. I'm just not positive what the adjustments are because Chris has to do so much offensively without Booker. I just don't like the Suns as much. I mean, it's not a, Hot take, I voted Booker fourth for MVP. You're going to feel it if if you're taking him out. I think it's much harder for them to uh, to create the same kind of offense. Well, today they shot 50.6%, 12 turnovers. 
the, it's the bench guys that come in. Like Craig played 10 minutes, JaVale McGee 13, Payne 18, Sham at 20. You know, Booker's usually, what, 36, 37 minutes. And I don't know. They're really feeling it. It feels like they're a guy short now, like no pun intended. You're right. And when you think about it, like Crowder's an offensively dependent person, and I don't know that he's always comfortable taking shots. He's going to take more than seven tonight. And it's not like yeah. he's getting the Durant-Boston treatment or something. Uh, Cam Johnson, who's been a really nice player for them, you know, whether it was six-man looks this year, I think he finishes in the top three. But he's somebody that's still a little dependent. Um, you know, Tory Craig, I mean, I, you know, I'm not even going to get into it. Well, and they weren't making threes today. There's seven for 27. No, the, the biggest thing, the free, the free throws, throws are alarming. Yeah. 15 free throws total. 15 total against New Orleans. So this is a game and the Pelicans end up with 42 free throw attempts and the Phoenix Suns end up with 15. So I think a couple things also happen. So it's the free throw part of it. You get but did you watch this game and think it was one-sided officiating? Because I actually felt like the Pelicans were just attacking. No, it's I, I'm not like blaming it on the refs. I just think that that kind of discrepancy, like that's a huge, huge number. It's not a good so, sign. Well, the well, rebounds too. They were they had uh the Pelicans had nine. 48 rebounds. Suns had 39, and the Pelicans had 19 offensive rebounds. All right, the other lot. part of it too, and it's the Cameron Payne minutes where they have to use him at times because he can, in theory, create. For right. himself a little bit more, but he, uh, you can almost kind of tell, be like, eh, probably not going to work tonight. And, you know, credit mm -hmm. to him turning his career around with Gertrude in this last year in the playoffs and all that kind of stuff. But I thought the Jonas Valanciunas, uh, going to Valanciunas to run your offense the start of the fourth and posting up, and it all worked. It all worked. Yeah. So Aiton and McGee, that combination, I mean, JaVale was terrific tonight for him in 13 minutes, didn't miss any of his seven shots. Aiton was great beating up on him, the the advantage of the big man in the front line in game three. I'd expect to see something like that again in game five. I don't think they're going to take 27 less free throws in game five, and that's not blaming the officials. It's just the, the part of it. And I think Chris Paul is going to be pissed off for 48 straight hours. The Chris I know? Come on, dude. <laughs> Your guy, Chris. Don't worry. Don't you worry about us. Alvarado felt like he played 100 minutes in that game. He only played 18. It was a loud 18 minutes. <laughs> we, we talked about how Wiggins could be out there for an hour, and I'm, I'm not even sure he's out there. Alvarado, you're just aware the entire time. He's just doing stuff. He's doing things. I love guys like that. There's a very playoff-y kind of feel to them. Even Devontae Graham, who I'm not a huge fan of, but at least when he, he feels kind of heat-checky. You know, like he, you could see him making a couple threes in five minutes. Totally. I mean, you know, he basically was like 17 minutes a game in April and then just kind of beyond that wasn't even a factor. Yeah. But I mean, I've seen him make big shots for the Hornets before, you know, like I've seen him at least, I, you know, I don't think he's as good as Terry Rozier, but you understand the point. Like if he, if he got you a couple, just like you said, I don't need to add to it. If he got you a couple buckets in a big spot, it wouldn't shock you because he can create his own shot. What team do you, what team do you think was watching tonight's game and was the most excited about it that wasn't in the game? Kuzma? Gold State? Kyle Kuzma, maybe? He's been tweeting a lot. Well, Kuzma's, yeah, he feels left out. I know Golden State's what you're looking for there. So No, okay. I don't know. I if I'm the Celtics, that's another one where I'm like, man, now Phoenix is gonna have to probably go seven just to get out of round one. This is like all looking up Celtics. These days. And then I think the other one is Dallas. 
where Dallas is thinking, man, all right, we blew game four. But if we can, if we can just get through this Utah series, this Phoenix team we're watching that can barely get by New Orleans, um, be pretty juicy. Do you like the play in more or less because this is happening? They, they literally won, I think, 29 games less than the Suns. Well, I'm not going to feel sorry for the Suns. If they blow this, I'm not going to go, well, the play-in. <laughs> no, I can't. I won't do that. I wouldn't do that. So you're pro playing now. No, I'm, I'm... You love the play-in now. I could see it in your ass. No, I don't like the play-in. I think it's a ridiculous concept that a team can win as many games as the seven seed will some years, and then there's going to be some shitty 31-win 10 seed. You're know, like, all right, let's see if we make the playoffs now. Like, what was the point of the 80 games? But it doesn't mean I'm not entertained it solved, by it. It solved the, the one of the tanking issues, mm. which was the incentive for a team if the first half of their season did not go the way they wanted, if they had some injury or whatever, that there was no incentive for them to try to salvage what was going on, which is what New Orleans did. So I guess I owe David Griffin an apology. You've already apologized. I just I think said I that they need... Him. I, I don't even know if it's an apology. I think it's a it's a recognition that through all the Zion bullshit, you're right, the stand hire was terrible. You know, and then when JJ Reddick went off on Griffin, like that added to it. The team you know culture I mean? stuff, yeah. Right. So all of a sudden it's piling on, it's piling on. And while all of that was happening and all of it was fair criticism, the front office were putting together a really nice roster and they seem to be hitting on a ton of these picks, whether it's Jones, whether it's Alvarado is not even a draft pick, whether it's Murphy, who I think can do even more than he showed, but he's playing real minutes. I yeah. still like Kyra Lewis, which I'll just keep saying over and over again. They did a great mm -hmm. job with the CJ trade. Um, the Valanciunas trade, to me, is, is a win. I know that Memphis looked at it as they wanted somebody who fit the Adams profile more to help Jaron Jackson, but Valanciunas is a better basketball player. No question. I, I really value him especially in a playoff series. I value big guys who can create a shot. I uh, And the coaching hire, by the way, after realizing how we bad should have the talked stand about was. That. Yes, yeah, Willie, so, Willie's been awesome, man. Personality, disposition, all that kind of stuff. When I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And I was wrong about the CJ trade. I didn't think he still had this level in him. And I just didn't understand the point of what the hell are you paying $30 million a year for CJ McCollum when you have no chance to go anywhere. I think the hope was that it would validate the franchise. Maybe they could get it in the playing game. Maybe they could make some noise. And then maybe they could seem, get the crowd going a little bit again and try to appeal to Zion and make it, make him think, all right, something's going on here. Not only did all that happen, it happened to the point that now, now we're looking at the Zion piece of this and being like, hmm. Where could you go? I was, I was, I actually have, I have some ideas for you, but let's, let's take a quick break. All right. So Zion, you're not as worried as I am about Zion with the, uh, multiple surgeries and the well, waking. Wait, 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 just cause I took his future over Herb Jones's future. You seem, <laughs> you seem like you think he's going to be fine. Here's, here's what I do. If you show me a sliver of greatness. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to try to hang with you as long as I possibly can. Let, think of this as a, a junior version. What if of you my show a sliver of pizza? <laughs> a sliver would be great. <laughs> Maybe Zion needs a sliver of pizza. It's kind of like the, the Anthony Davis thing. Like every every one of you guys thinks he sucks and he's going to suck for the rest of his career. Yeah. I would be like, all right, I'm not there yet. I'm just not. And maybe I'll be wrong, but I'm as patient 
with somebody that used to be great as I am resistant to anoint Herb Jones, the building block um, over Zion at this point, which I think is fair. I thought you were going to say Bill Russell and I was there for for a second when you were, when you were, you said the bill, I was like, Bill Russell. So building block fair. Let's say the Pistons call and they say, we'll take Zion off your hands. For who? We can have our first pick. We'll give you Killian Hayes and Sadiq Bay, and we'll give you a pick swap down the road. Zion and Cade Cunningham, let's go. You can get out of the Zion thing. You don't have to pay him the max and worry that he's going to play 30 games. You got your team. You can have one of the top four picks in this draft. You have all the other picks you have. You're really building something. Let's go. Yeah. No, I'd, I'd probably do it with this draft. Which team? The, you do it if you're in New Orleans. Yeah. Because I don't want to have to pay Zion that. I can, I can still hold that. Like, I'm not going to write him off. It's different than me having to write him that check, too. I went through so. all the teams, and the Pistons were the one that made the most sense. Big enough city. Cade Cunningham's And there. Killian Hayes? Yeah, Killian's got to be in it. Sorry, KFC. I was trying to figure out Zion to Atlanta. I, I see. I think you're onto something there with Atlanta. I think Atlanta, I would put them in the top three. They just, what, what do season. they have? They have a lot of pieces. A lot of pieces, but it's like a lot of nickels for a dollar. No, that's what I, I don't think it's Zion. Nothing close to the, the Detroit first round pick. Right? I mean, it's like, hey, here's Danilo. Oh, Gallinari might be, in a, a, he might be a free agent. Here's, what here's about, John what about, Collins. What about Trey and Okongwu for Zion? Who says no? Oh, you'd put Trey in the Trey for Zion. <laughs> I'm just, wow. I'm just, I'm just kidding. It's been a tough series. I was so, thinking, uh, yeah, we're going to get to Trey in a second. I was thinking if there was an end game for the Hawks where it was that's a joke. Zion, that's, that'd be that, fun. I know. Right, that's Jack, a joke. So joke. Just, don't aggregate right, him. Right. Yeah. I did not uh, think that that'd be something some, somebody would seriously offer. Well, who's throwing in picks? Um, most fun guys to see annoyed during a basketball game. Remove your Chris Paul love from this. Chris has to be number one, right? Yeah. It's like watching somebody be, be it's like watching your action hero in a bar being messed with by the, by like the fucking hicks who don't realize that the guy's like a black belt. Hey, tough guy. It's like, oh no. And See, you but know he's going to step. This still sounds like a W for Chris Paul. Cause I, I think when it I, was. when I see him annoyed, I'm like, uh Oh, uh Oh, it didn't happen tonight. I mean, look, Pelicans deserve, I don't know how much more credit we can give them. Like you're seriously entertaining. They can win this series. And that crowd was awesome. God, I wish I, that crowd. I wish, I wish that city. I wish the basketball part of it. I just wish it were overall better. And I know there's Pelicans fans that are like, you know, but try to do a straw poll of more than just you and your six buddies because yeah. it doesn't seem to be. I don't know. You know how much I love that city. I just wish it were always like that for them all the time. And I can also understand the fan base being frustrated too over the years. But still, they have had a lot know. of reasons to get like that. I would say. Like when nope, Stan Van nope. Gundy's screaming at, you know, whoever. I, I don't know if people are did on you the edge hear, of their seat. Did you hear Stan recently like sort of making fun of himself for how much he talks and then basically admitting that I can be a little grating on the players? He <laughs> said that? Like, it, was, it was basically a roundabout way. Like he was, he was doing something sarcastic where he was saying, well, when I coached, you know, I was always relaxed and I didn't grate, you know, I didn't get on the guys and it was very easy and, what, oh, so he, he's doing this self-deprecating thing. Yeah, yeah. He was making fun of himself, mm -hmm. which I thought was kind of funny because I do think that uh, that was part of the problem in New Orleans. Most fun guys to see annoyed. CP3 is one for me. LeBron is number two. 
because people so rarely go at him. It's exciting when they, you know, he's he's got such such status as like the best player of his generation. You rarely see anyone try to fuck with him in any way. And I like when Draymond gets riled up too. Always enjoyable. He always so delivers. These were, it's like pro wrestling. So these were like positives. You like seeing yeah. the person. Yeah, okay. I know right. it's it's you- just in general, it's just captivating television. Anytime somebody's trying to rile these guys up, I'm like, I'm not fucking turning the channel next five minutes. Like when that Chris thing, when he got the the uh, eight, eight seconds, seconds, that was awesome. I was like, oh my God, Chris is gonna he's absolutely gonna decapitate somebody. And then like six minutes later, he did. And then when Herb <laughs> Jones did the don't help me up. I'll wait for one of my teammates. I was like, yeah. oh my God, Chris is like, he's going to be a maniac in the next game. I think Chris just pencil him in for what? 28 and 17 in game five. Like there's no way he's not going to be awesome in game five. He's yeah, going to do that thing, like fast walk. He's going to be right. great. Like his point total thing is usually not the story, but I, I thought the Alvarado eight second thing was like, it just doesn't happen. And I, I root the ball. for it constantly. Right, I love the right. eight second. And it's been weird since they changed it from 10 to eight seconds. How many players love to, to milk it right it to the end? Just yeah. to the end. And you always Smart think does I, it constantly. He's 17 seconds. He's just like, just going over. Between the eight second thing and then how often, like when guys in transition will throw it backwards and they don't call it. But I'm oh, like, when the guys, guy hasn't yeah. come over the line yet? Yeah, that happens three <laughs> times a game. You're right. And they throw it back to him. And I just like, when did it become cool to flirt with the danger of backcourt violations? It, it's what about, crazy. What about the ball rolling and the guy not picking uh, it up and with trying fucking to taunt 11 the minutes guy? to go in the quarter? Yeah. It, I blow my brains out on that one. That's why I want the G League thing to happen with the free throws. I want all jump balls to go to the def- uh, well, I'd say in the half court, I want all jump balls to go to the defense. Like, why should the offense get another chance of possession after you block their shot? Well, they went up for it, but it wasn't blocked to open. It was blocked to where, you know, somebody could retain possession of it. All right. That ran. I, I would also like to get rid of announcers screaming, pay this man his money. Give him the bag. Every time it's like a free agent who makes a play. It's it's just kind of hacky. Let's 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 just scale it back on that. No, you like it. Oh, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying I like it. I, like DeAndre Ayton made a bank shot today and Reggie Moore was like, pay that guy's money. It's like, he's, DeAndre Ayton's going to be fine. He's going to make $110 million. In the, in I have summer. a bigger issue with all the former players not being able to see what was done intentionally. Like, I want the former players to go, that was a flop. He's doing it. When Jay Crowder is landing forward to take those yeah. jumpers, Reggie Miller should know that that's Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder's taking that shot, hoping to land. God, I swear to God, if I could go back in time and change anything, I would tell Zaza Pachulia, I'm like, whatever you do in the lower left corner, don't <laughs> please close don't. out on Kawhi. Yeah, please, just, just please. Compare to the left. Right, because we're going to spend s- decades reviewing these fucking calls, and then the shooter the shooter benefits from it more than ever before because you can actually always land forward. So um, I wish Zaza had never done that. Is there a Zion and Dame something? Anything? Portland's got to throw a little more, maybe? No? What's what's Portland got besides the pick? I don't know. Pick swaps? Let's do... Um, Wait, did, how many of these Zion things did you do? Do we have a massive no, that's, I don't landing think, spots? For, after seeing him on the sideline today, nobody's going to be like, cool, here are all our assets for that guy. Somebody would. I'd need him. I'd need him slimmer. Okay. But what if they win? What if they win? 
do we get to like what if they win this round right and then we get to do a ben simmons and be like hey updated zion watch if phoenix loses this series this would go i'm gonna this would go honestly this would go on the short list historically this would be matumbo holding the ball up in the air after the seattle series this would be the fucking we believe warriors it's gonna be so much worse because it's chris paul it's worse than those two do you think people would hang this on Chris Paul, though? I don't... Yes, because that's the point. See, he if was you don't like him, in the league in 2005. If you don't like him, you're not going to go, hey, you know what, though? To be fair, nobody does that. None of us are fucking fair when we're trying to make points against people. Yeah, I don't know. That Booker was I their best be, player but... this season. I don't know. I, I think that would have a pretty big asterisk. They would just talk more about bad luck for Chris Paul, which no, he's had some bad luck. Would. I don't think they would. I don't think they, he's had well, incredibly then, bad well, luck. But who did, if, if that's not the angle for somebody, then I wouldn't care what they were saying. Cause I don't know. I don't I'd follow I, basketball. I'd either retire or I'll just make up pamphlets pointing out all the bad luck and just, he's had, he's out. had some really bad luck. The 2014 OKC series is the worst one for him where it wasn't bad luck. He just played badly. Yeah. But other than that, he's had a lot of bad luck. Um, Brandon Ingram who I think both of us are unexpectedly pro Brandon Ingram. Not a place I've been often the last six years. I've been more kind of not on the Brandon Ingram side, more of the, I'm glad, I'm glad somebody else is overvaluing him. I'm glad he's not on my team. I've been on that side. I don't value what he does as much as others do. So I don't think he's a winning player. I come back to, all I care when I evaluate guys are, are you a winning player? With him, it's like, what position is he? He's all offense. Can he make guys better? Is he like, do you need like a shot blocker next to him? What is he? And he really hasn't been successful from a winning standpoint. But he's been awesome this season. And he's been awesome in the playoffs. And he's going against a team that has really, really, really elite defensive wings. And it doesn't matter. He's scoring on him. He's going against a team that has a shot blocker. He's going in the paint and challenging that guy. So you te- you texted me and you called me about this and we were thinking, are there just guys that you're never going to be settled? This is your question. Are there guys you're just never going to be 100% one way or the other? It's always going to be this amorphous flip-flop. So we're calling them permanent flip-flop guys. Is Ingram a permanent flip-flop guy for you? Yeah, because right now it feels really good. And he was great again I mean, by traditional stats, although he didn't shoot it great. He's like 36% from three, been terrific the previous two years, 32% this year. But, you know, he's 24, 6, and 6. The playmaking's always been there. And even going back to Duke, like, it's just, it's kind of like a bigger Shamit face, Derek Whitebody theory, mm. where you see, we're so visual that you look at Ingram and you go, well, there's no way this guy has some of that fuck you in his game. And it's like, you know, he actually does. Even going back to Duke, one of the things that I love about you. him is he drove to the rim and took contact and was like, I'll keep doing it. And, there have been times where maybe we push back on the Ingram part of it because there was a, a flirtation there for a little while, especially it was on the Lakers. Like, who would you rather have down the road, Tatum and Ingram? And for the longest time, I was like, come on. And then Ingram, when he got to the Pelicans, you're like, whoa, look at these numbers that he's putting Made up. Made the all-star team. Right. But then they were still losing a lot of games. So, you know, it is, it's tough because there are players who I do think put up big numbers on bad teams who I'm like, I like that guy. And there are other guys that put up big numbers on bad teams. And I go, I, that guy, five other people could be doing what he's doing, if not more. So with Ingram, seeing probably the ceiling of some of his offensive skills, that drive and then pass to a trailer tonight, like some of the shit that he does, you, you'll just be reminded going, 
God, when this guy's right, it's a lot of fun. But I'd also be willing to admit that there'll probably be a, a stretch that I don't love it all the time. So I'm never quite sure where I'm at. I think the best analogy for this is outside of the top five or six quarterbacks in the NFL, that next 10 to 15, however strongly you feel one way or the other, just give it a week because you're going to be right either way. <laughs> and, yeah, that's. And, I'm trying and to think who's the perfect quarterback for that analogy. Kirk Cousins? Mm. Well, Ingram, since he showed up in New Orleans, he's 23, 6, and 5, 46% field goal and 37% three point. And this is pretty consistent. Like you look at his basketball reference, it's kind of who he is. And he might actually have a chance. Maybe he could be a 27 point guy next year. Who knows? Maybe he'll make a leap coming off these playoffs. But yeah, I'm not, I'm never, I'm never going to be a hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. But as a permanent flip-flop guy, I think he's one of my favorites. I think Trey's another one. I think we did a lot of apologizing You've apparently apologized to David Griffin twice on the podcast. I've apologized once. Last year, we did a lot of apologizing for Trey Young because we were pretty adamant that what this guy does, it's not not winning player stuff. Then the playoffs, all of a sudden, they started winning games. Now he's reverted back to the Trey Young you and I weren't fans of before last year's playoffs. So I, I feel like I've, I'm starting to flip the other way again on him. Yeah, I'll just be straight with everybody. Even when I was like, man, I'm so impressed with this guy. Deep down, there was still something in the back of my head going, don't give in. Don't give in. <laughs> don't give in to these people. Fight it. Fight it for longer. Because you know, you know how you really feel. And the thing that I give Trey a ton of credit for was in that playoff series against the Sixers, he was the least afraid. And that's something that I love in players. All right? Like, Fearlessness. Right. And he was the least afraid. And you're like, you know, if I'm talking to myself, my own little inner dialogue here at the couch, I'm going, no, this, these are the things you like. So you have to like this now. And then and then you I'll were admit, like, but I, I don't like 29 footers with 18 seconds left on the shot clock down eight with three minutes left. No. And you're not as fan a fan of that. No, we've done the trade timeline a million times, but I think this year's really alarming. I think it's really alarming that what if last year was kind of fluky? where it was great that his attitude was out there in fire, a disastrous Sixers situation, a Knicks team that stunk, really, that was a complete overachiever, made the playoffs, and then you watch that series play out, and you're like, how is this? This isn't even close. And then, you know, they, they got even, and then he even got hurt. He's been terrible against Miami. I know he hit the game winner in game three. Uh, I know he hit his knee today, too, but... he's like, No, he's... he's He's actually been like legitimately terrible for somebody I voted for a third team all NBA. I voted for him too because, but then again, you're like, wait, this guy's fighting with this team. It's a deep, good basketball team. And I'm telling you, there are still little, little hints thrown in in different broadcasts where even Vince Carter, one of the home broadcasts, was like, you know, one of the things Trey needs to do. And you're like, yeah, I know exactly what he needs to do. And you can absolutely destroy him by getting him in all the defensive actions. So for all the love of like what Trey could be and all the absurd numbers, him being owned by Miami in this, and maybe, you know, he fell off again today because of the knee thing, but he stayed in the game. But if he didn't get the free throws he fucking gets, man, he didn't he had one free throw attempt today. I mean, he's he's officiated like he's Jordan 15 years in. And I'll admit, yeah, like I'm kind of like leaning back towards the all the things I had an issue with going. You can't always do it all on your own. The 30 points are awesome, but you can't always do it all on your own. And then when you're such a liability defensively, it has me asking the questions I was asking about before the playoff. Like As I reassess everything, I'm going, 
can you really have this guy be like the number one dude for a team that can be a real threat in the playoffs? Because that's a good basketball team that's deep. And I know the Collins part of it. And now with Capella, I'm sorry, Miami's good. This isn't some 65 win juggernaut. All right. Yeah, Gabe and Vincent played like 20, right. 30, 30 minutes today. So I'm with you. I, I think the thing that's frustrating to me about Trey, because he's been in the league now, what, four years? There's, he just plays a certain way and that's it, right? There's no plan B where, where he thinks to himself, either my shots not falling the way it normally does, or this isn't the right team for me to do my stuff against. Like Miami's a really hard matchup for him, especially when Bam can pop out. And you don't see him be like, all right, I'm going to show everybody this side instead. It's just, he's just the way he is for better and worse. And this is a series where if he's going to do that, they're going to lose to Miami and they're going to. Yeah, I mean, this this thing actually should be over now. They blew a 14-point lead in yeah, the other game agreed. that they won, and Trey wasn't good in that game, and then he hits the game winner, so then you're like, all right, now what? You know, it's just the way things work, especially on social media, and then it's just ice Trey posts, and this guy's born for the playoffs and all this stuff, and you're like, he sucked. He sucked tonight. And you, you can, you're like kind of not. So it's the same as the Durant thing. Like, these are the rules, and you can't go, ah, actually, Trey, like, this is a problem. And I think it is a long-term problem. So I'm back to that again. And I'm just admitting it. So I'm glad you came clean. Get some. My name is my name is Ryan. I'm part of permanent flip-flop anonymous. Listen, let's if we want to re- dig really deep and and piss people off, and I don't want to piss people off, but we're just talking like two basketball fans. They beat that Knicks team in five last year that just turned out to be hot garbage this year. And then that Philly team where Simmons is having a meltdown as the series is going along and has not played basketball. has not played one minute of basketball since. And then they go in the next round. Giannis gets hurt. And then Milwaukee finally sends him packing. But I think, I don't know if how long you can dine on that 2021 Eastern Conference run. You know, you could dine on it this year. You did it. I thought he had a really good regular season statistically. I thought he was the sixth best guard in the league. And I put him on my third team all NBA. But he's been shockingly bad in this Miami series. Shockingly bad. He has. And you can have a bad series, but the other guys that were more willing to give a pass have probably had other moments that are peaking. And right now we're looking back on this. A yeah. bit, like the Portland Western Conference Finals appearance a couple years ago where you go, that's kind of a nice run. But is that are you going to be that team for a while? Can I ask you a question about yeah. another person? Well, do you uh, want, Can we take a break? No. Let's take a break. Coming back, you were going to ask me about a permanent flip-flop guy. Let's hear it. No, it's an insert into the permanent flip-flop. Oh, let's hear it. So it's like a magazine insert. Mm. April 24th, 2022. Was that the day social media just checked out on still having sympathy for Ben Simmons' mental (laughs) health? (laughs) There's no question. It was just unanimous today. Everybody's like, we're done. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was the three or four straight weeks of coordinated Ben Simmons is targeting so-and-so game, so-and-so date, the updates. He played two on two today. He posted up a chair today. He played a little four on four. Scoop B coming in with, uh, he's carried himself like Jordan tweet. Just Jordan, all the style. I think Jordan people Crawford. just had it. Yeah. <laughs> Jordan Rogers. Um, I think people just had it. And I don't, I was on the record this entire time saying that we, I didn't think we would see him. 
I thought it was too big of a spot. I really doubted that he would be recovered from a herniated disc and no physical contact to playing in the game that I went to, game one. I just didn't see it. I didn't think it was going to happen. I don't, it, Nash, for the last like 72 hours, seemed openly annoyed by it. Didn't want to talk about it. Didn't want to provide details. And you could tell he thought the whole thing was full of shit. Uh, I got to give you credit. You were very on this. You kept saying, you kept hinting at it. And you're like, I don't think this, I don't know if it was, uh, it was the Intel highway over there. But you, despite the updates every day, you would be texting going, yeah, I actually don't think he's going to play. Because the code words are code words. Targeting to me, I said this last week, targeting means nothing. It's a fake word. What does targeting mean? Well, it means something if there's still some credibility with your story. And yes. for well, Simmons, there there's just, just very little credibility. We saw that today. I have a couple other things I've been workshopping. You don't want to do more permanent football no, guys? I, I or just, is, it, is this another this is, magazine insert? Yeah, it's a big oh, one. Oh, great. It's a big one. Great. It's, it's like variety. It. Let's so go. A lot of, lot of page. I'm, I've been thinking about this for a while. The more absurd outfit you wear to the tunnel, the less I might trust you in big spots. There are outliers. Obviously, but it's it's something I've been thinking about more and more. I think we need somebody to really deep dive, but then we'd have to all judge something that's pretty uh, subjective on what is actually too loud of an outfit. But then, like, try, so trying too hard is just a turn off to you. Yeah, where I'm like, your fourth quarter per is going to be low tonight. Again, per <laughs> in eight minutes, maybe not the best way to do any of this math. And per obviously has its flaws, but it's just something I've been workshopping. Need to keep on. I like that. it. But I, then, that should be on Basketball Reference. But then to get guys more motivated to come back to play, they'll say, okay, you're sitting out this game. So, yes, Cuban links, $200,000 chain, no problem. Um, you could wear, you know, Travis Scott Lowe's, cool, you know, whatever jeans you want to go with, you know, uh, St. Laurent, anything. But if you miss each game, you miss consecutively. You like at the end, we need you in Lee jeans and La Tigra. No, you're, you have to dress like Kawhi by like the seventh. Kawhi's, Kawhi's my favorite. Kawhi's just like, oh shit, our game's at 7 30. Let me grab a sweatshirt. He's my, he's the best dresser out of he's all. He's at of the them. pro shop with a King's hoodie. He's trying to impress. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's like, uh, why are you wearing a Dowdy jersey? And he's like, who? He's like, <laughs> He accidentally wore a Richards jersey. Didn't realize he was still not on the team anymore. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I think that's a good workshop for you. That's, I think, what Silver should do is we're not worried about load management. We're not worried about the DNPs. But just so you know, every consecutive DNP, you can't wear. Like if you're wearing Lamb Prada, green Lamb Prada, you can't come back the next day with all sorts of, like you can't be wearing off-white. Like you have to go a tier below this, maybe the monogram Banana Republic. And then after that, it's another tier. Well, when did they relax the rules? Because there was a stretch there where everybody had to wear suits. And I don't remember, I don't know whether the bubble just changed everything, but I, I like it. I, I like the variety now. I think it's much more exciting. Yeah, that was just, obviously we both know it was a stern thing, but that was post Mouse Palace. Yeah, but then I think by the bubble, something flipped. Do you have any more magazine inserts? No, back to you. I had a couple more permanent flip-flop guys. Yeah, no. Carl Anthony Towns, go. So I didn't have him on my list because I think I'm just flopped on him. To all the way good? I don't see a flip anymore. I tried a flip in December. I gave it a couple weeks. 
even like went down the road on a couple Celtic fan texts of what happens if we have to break up the Jays down the road. Who do we get? Towns was maybe mentioned in a couple fake trades. But the flip just didn't suit me. And I, I think I'm on the flop side with him. I just think that's our destiny together. And it's always supportive or, or lack of support? No lack of support. I'm just not a believer. I just can't, I can't buy in. The dumb fouls, I just think that you are who you are in year seven, and he just can't help himself. And if he's in, this series goes seven, I know it's going to happen. It's going to be in Memphis. He's going to get three fouls about eight minutes into the game. Two of them are going to be absolutely stupid. And he's going to be yelling and doing his whole thing, and he's going to suck in game seven, unfortunately. That's why I'm on the flop side with him. Um, um, I would love it if he surprised me because we need more good basketball players. Yeah, because I mean, the numbers he put up this year and this team now is a real threat. Like this, He is was real awesome series. in game yeah. four. I think he was right. a man's man in that game. And he was so bad in game three that I'll admit the creep, the doubt started happening again for me being like, wait, do you like this guy? So you're on like the flip him? side. I don't know what to do with him. I don't know what to do with him. And a lot of this too is, is remember, if we start naming you as an all NBA player, which yes. I did with Towns, like you Me did, too. we both had him third team. Then there's a kind of expectation. It's not that you can't have bad games. Every one of these guys is going to have bad games. And it kind of gets back to the point of like how much we should appreciate LeBron because like his worst game is still pretty good. Uh, you miss Ta LeBron. I can hear in your voice. I do. I do miss him a little bit. But with Towns, you know what I think it is with Towns? And it's probably unfair. Maybe this all gets back to kind of the, the visual part of it. When it's going bad for him, it's just so demonstrative and he and he's just so upset the whole it's, game. It's like Cousins. It, it has the same kind of it's, negative it's, poisonous it's very, energy that Cousins has. Yeah. I mean, Cousins is the worst I've ever seen. I've never seen anybody mentally be fucked in a quicker amount of time than DeMarcus Cousins. It's it's a superpower that he has. I've never seen anything like it. We've he still kind of has it. I, I know he still has it. Towns has like a, a, it's not as bad as Cousins, but there's a pinch of it in there. So that when it's going bad, but then again, all right, game three, he says everything he wants to say because he's basically pissed that his team didn't get him involved. I mean, you blow, you go 40-16 to close out a game. And they came back and won game four, and he was great in game four. I, I thought it, the Minnesota or like a really weak team Maybe get smashed in game four. And I know the officiating in game four, we probably, I don't know if we're going to talk about it or not. The the fouling where Bain, Jackson, and uh, Brooks all had like five fouls with I think seven minutes to go in the, like it was ridiculous. I had so. that, I had a very short Timberwolves game four segment, just how horrified I was by the officiating. I thought do you it do was, it? I just thought, it was just a bummer because I was excited for that game. 35 to 20, 33 to 23 fouls, 40 to 25 free throws. As you said, every important Grizzly seemed like they had four or five or six fouls. And, uh, and everybody on the Grizzlies afterwards said something about it, which is pretty rare. Usually they're like, hey, coach, you take this. In this case, it was like everybody was like, those guys were terrible. I don't know what was happening. And it was, it, I didn't think it was a fun game to watch. It was a one-point game that I didn't enjoy because I thought it was so disjointed. We've had some bad officiated games in the playoffs. That well, was just over-officiated at some point. And 
I mean, we had, what, 18 fouls called in the first quarter of one of the Nets-Celtics games. It was a record. And then Memphis-Minnesota broke it, I think, two days later with 20 fouls called yeah, in the first sucked. quarter. So part of it is, you know, well, guys could not foul. Um, but, like, I think the Memphis one where, where Taylor Jenkins had said it's arrogant. He called them arrogant twice, which is a very unique way I to love that. criticize them. I think it might have been that play with Bain where Bain drove. They called him for a charge. It wasn't a charge. They reviewed it. They got it overturned. And then the, Bain came down again after D'Angelo Russell had gotten a foul. And Bain kind of did the ward off with the arm, and they called him for it. Which, by the way, I wish that off-arm shit was called all the time. Well, Chris Paul would have fouled that 10 different times today. If you're yeah. calling that, he was yeah. doing the duck the shoulder thing. Is He'll Bain? Adjust. Do you think Bain is the second best Grizzly? I do. I do too, because that what that brings us to another permanent flip flop guy who has not made the list yet, but he's in the waiting room. I'm staring at him, Jaron Jackson, who I voted um, first team on defense. I voted for him. I think third for defensive player of the year. The rub on him and the reason I didn't want to vote him for a defensive player of the year was he can't stay in the fucking court because he gets in foul trouble every other game. This series, 23.8 minutes a game, 20 fouls in four games. He's averaging 10 and 6, shooting 39%. Hey, Jaron, the playoffs started. Stay in the fucking court. I know the refs were bad in game four, not his fault, but he's got to figure out some sort of balance between being a dominant defensive player and actually just playing 30 minutes because they really, when he's out there and he's playing well, they're kind of, I don't want to say unbeatable, but they're pretty hard to play, especially when you go to round two, round three, if they get there. And when he's in foul trouble, they're a different team. Yeah, this series in a weird way, like I think New Orleans coming back and tying this thing against Phoenix and us allowing ourselves to be like, where do you think this one's going? Can you imagine? Yeah. But the Memphis-Minnesota part of this, like part of it's just me being really thrilled about Minnesota having this toughness in them that I don't know that any of us knew the answer to that question after you have. I mean, game three was as bad a playoff result as you can have. It was horrible. Waz and I I came on that night and we were just, I thought the series was over. (laughs) I didn't think they would... I didn't see them coming back from it. But the lesson, as always, is does it even matter when you blow a big lead in the NBA anymore? It's so easy to just blow a 20-point lead. Maybe we overrate it. It's not like it was in, like, if this happened in 1993, where you're like, oh, my God, how are they going to recover? Now, just play the next game. You hit some shots. It's fine. Yeah, I think the job part of it has, has been a little disjointed, uh, depending on, on how he, like, he's always going to get his points. He's going to get the assists. He has the ball in his hands a lot. Uh, I think he's exploitable on defense. And I think back to your Jackson point, like this is a guy that makes a lot of money. I voted for all the defensive stuff as well. And there are long stretches where you're like, you know, other than maybe an open three every now and then, there's not a lot there when it isn't going right. But luckily they do have well, all the step. They've abandoned the Adams part of this, which has helped them turn it around since game one. Thank but God this is, they did this is an This is an awesome series that's also tough to watch at the same time. It's weird. It's very weird Agreed. series. I would say it's extremely disjointed. I think Memphis wins it. I'm not concerned about that. I actually think it's more likely that New Orleans has a better chance against Phoenix without Booker than Minnesota does to win a game seven. I mean, the Russell piece of this, he's had one good game out of four and or maybe like half a good, half a good game out of four. And I just don't see them competing if he's just not going to show up in the series. Now, maybe Memphis is doing stuff to take him out too. I have... Two more flip-flop guys. LaMelo Ball, I've already changed my mind on four times. 
in the end, his coach just got fired. Partly because, I don't know, LaMelo, I didn't see him play defense in the first two years of his career. I feel like that should matter. The team rolled over in the playing game. I feel like that has to at least a little bit take the personality of your best players. I thought Borrego did some good stuff. I don't think, I know you like him. I know he's been on the podcast. Without Hayward, that team just was pretty stagnant for the most part. Um, and I don't know if a new coach is changing the, we only look like a real offense when Hayward plays. And now that, you know, Hayward is probably the most likely Laker target if they can get rid of Westbrook. I think that's like conceivable that there's a Hayward, Westbrook, one more contract and Charlotte gets a pick back and they just try to reboot it, right? Give the money to Bridges. They don't have to go in the luxury tax. But back to LaMelo, like I, I just, I didn't love how the season ended for them and for him. Uh, the mellow one, I think, is a good one. Um, because if you go back to last year, he was seventh and fourth quarter minutes his rookie year, and you could tell Borrego just didn't trust him at all. Yeah. And then you're like, well, he'd probably get fired because of this. Because most coaches probably would have just said, whatever. You know, we picked this kid. He's going to win rookie of the year. Going to have him out there. Um, but Borrego was not afraid to still be hard on these guys. And the fact that they were competitive over the years, they haven't had a setter since Dwight. Hayward missed, I think he played 93 games the last two years, and that's your max guy. Uh, Gee, who I, could I, have who could have predicted an only occasionally healthy And Hayward? apparently, I, I had it when Hayward was upset and wanted out of Boston. I've heard rumblings that he would maybe like to go somewhere else. So, mm. um, you know, you got the, he got the big money deal, and we'll see what happens there. And that's why these kinds of things, like I never rule out any of the Westbrook stuff, unlikely. Is he somebody in demand? No, but I don't think it's impossible. Uh, because LaMelo's so young and it's only two years in, but I, I would kind of put him in that, hey, for us to continue to be as excited about you, there's going to have to be some other parts of your game that round out a bit because the, the, the special stuff is a lot of fun with him. You know, and I Agreed. do think he's somebody offensively that is fun to play with. I actually don't think he forces the issue on his own. And, and the absurdity of his career, I mean, you see how he finished the season shooting. The guy was on fire. And and it's it's unbelievable to me that he's this good of a shooter already. Um, but I, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens to the next coach. Because I, I think the front office there was, uh, they thought this team was going to be better. And I personally think, and, and maybe I'm biased because I've had Borrego on, I think he's a really good coach because I think he's a good coach. It's pretty simple. Like if I thought he sucked as a coach, I wouldn't have him on and go, hey, I love this guy who sucks. Uh, I thought it we'll was see. a weird team. Yeah. And I think, I went from thinking Westbrook was untradeable to wondering if they could maybe stick him on Charlotte and get Hayward and Plumlee and throw Charlotte a 2027 first. I'm and, over. I'm just over assuming because the guy has a bad deal that yeah. he can't get done. Because I think you brought up a point on one of our texts too is that maybe they maybe they do that deal and then they feel like okay they have this piece to move you know to say 47 million expiring is really enticing to some other team it means you're just going to be no. taking on contracts that they you're don't want at least one first right. in there right i i would never underestimate the clutch part of it which is the same as any powerful agency i just feel like this league has more things that happen in the gray areas that a lot of us never find out about until years later where it's like hey do do us a solid you know or we know as it's happening right um <laughs> My last flip-flop guy, I'm just, he's entered the chat. I haven't, I haven't, I've always been on the flip side of him, but I'm starting, Mitchell is, I'm starting to get there with Mitchell. I'm, that, that he's starting to 
being there for me. I just want him to get better and I want him to be more of a two-way player than he is. And maybe that, maybe this is just who he is. But I asked Waz, um, I asked Waz on Thursday night if Mitchell was just CJ McCollum with better PR. And it's, it's worth thinking about. Their stats are pretty similar. Not sure one is better defensive than the other. I think we think that Mitchell is like in this Booker, Trey, Tatum kind of group of up-and-comers and he's had some playoff success, but um, I don't like that Dallas's their guards were just doing whatever they wanted and he doesn't seem like he's a factor at all on that end of the floor. And I think that should matter. So I, I'm not willing to make him a permanent flip-flop guy yet, but I have my eye on him. Well, it hasn't been good at all, um, even though he's still averaging 30 for them. But I know that's not really what the segment is about. Uh, that that seven-game series two years ago against Denver, I mean, the guy was averaging 36 a game. It was awesome. Uh, so I I think he just needs to be with a, a better point guard that's going to bail him out of some of the tougher possessions. He'll force the issue. The Booker thing I've, I've always kind of pushed back on because I just thought Mitchell was a little bit more dynamic and the fact that Booker hadn't done anything until Chris Paul got there. But yeah. now Booker, at least his the trust level with his decision-making is far greater than the trust level that I have with Mitchell in some of the tougher spots. So but I don't he's, even want to do a way, Booker's a way better defensive player. Yeah, defensively too. And I don't know where Mitchell, like what happened to the pride? Is it? Is this season, has this whole thing been so disappointing that you're just going to let fucking guys dribble past you for an entire fourth quarter? It was, it like, was, uh, that was gross. It's embarrassing. Yeah, gross yeah. is a good word. Emeritus, guys. Westbrook. <laughs> you really love this segment. I do. West, I had Westbrook and Kevin Love are my two favorite from the last last 12 years. Yeah, but these aren't flip-flops for you anymore, right? Well, no, they're they're near the end of their careers. It's just that I, I changed my mind on Kevin Love at least 17 times. When's the last time you were pro Westbrook? God, he was my favorite guy in the 2008 draft as a sleeper. I defended him really all the way through through 2014. 2016 was when the worm turned for us. I thought he was just bad in that Warrior series. And it got to the point where I, I was like, if KD leaves, I understand. But for a while, I was like, I just, I wrote the 90-10 column about Westbrook, about how everybody has that 10%. And like, I just was, I just liked how hard he played, but eventually it turned. That's a good one though, because I remember the 90-10 and it was really good. And I think I would even cite it a few times. And eventually I feel like the 10 was, the 10 was outweighing the 90. It, beca it beca became like a 70-30 type thing. Let's take uh, one more break and then... Um, couple more things. All right, just some small house cleaning stuff, and then we'll go because we did uh we did an hour plus before. Stephen A. I I feel like this is the most crucial he's ever been in this polarized, weird, sensitive basketball world we're in. Stephen A. is the only guy who could just come out and crush people, and it's okay. I just I miss that era of. It, just this weekend, he crushed Kyrie, Harden, and Simmons. And I was like, yeah, you tell him, Stephen A. Um, I wasn't normally a fan of that kind of media stuff, but sometimes you need that one person who's just willing to be like, fuck it, I'll take the heat, I'll say it. I'll say what everybody else is thinking. I used to try to be that person. I'm older now. 
Um, I think Stephen A is still, he likes to swim in those waters. And I respect that, you know, you're going to get major blowback from it. But the, the stuff he said about Kyrie, I, I enjoyed. The Simmons thing probably went too far when he was just calling him a complete quitter. But nobody dabbles in those spaces that also really loves, ba- like I, I genuinely think he loves basketball. So when he does this stuff, I feel like it's obviously part shtick, but I also feel like it does come from a place of a love of the sport. So I just wanted to say uh, I've, I've enjoyed his place this year. Is that, a by weird, the way, is that a weird one? No, not at all. Because, and he also went after KD a little bit too, but that was more on like his status in the game. It wasn't as harsh as it was the other guys. He but did. I know that it's, it's felt like on social media now for years where there's this pivot of protecting the player, which seems absurd too, because there's so yes. much negativity out there. But it seems like a better deal for the media members, for the relationship to always kind of default, at least on Twitter. Yes. Um, to protecting. And, you know, there's some stuff that I protect your ben sources, Simmons. protect your people, yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. And I, you know, some of the Ben Simmons debate, like I saw something about like, you know, he, this is so serious. He's willing to cost himself all this money. And you're like, do you not realize like the rest of us that he's going to appeal this? Yeah. <laughs> that he's going to try to, he's going to file a grievance. Like this is going to happen. And so it's not really about that because he thinks he might have a chance of getting his money back. So that's, I mean, I don't know if he's going to get it back or not. I, uh, I'm with you because it's, it's three players that have given, I mean, shit, man. I mean, we've killed them on this podcast, but I think going on TV, there's just a different spotlight and impact when you're on everybody's television and you're saying the stuff that everyone's talking about either behind closed doors or on places like this. I I just get to the point, too, where you'd be like, what's their, like, what would the, what's the defense other than this guy's on my team and I hope it works out? Right. Philosophical question. When's the next time a franchise will just turn over the next five years of their destiny to a star that they want to have? That they're just going to be like, it's all you, man. You want to fire a coach? Awesome. You like DeAndre Jordan more than Jared Allen? Yeah, all right. We'll get rid of Jared Allen. When you, Kyrie, you want James Harden? We'll give it. You, you vouch for this guy? Cool. All right. Here's all our picks and assets. Wait, now you don't like James Harden? All right. We'll figure it. Ben Simmons, is he cool? I feel like this might be the last one of these for at least a couple of years because the big market teams are the ones that have the most desperation with this stuff. The Lakers aren't doing this again. I don't think the Nets are doing this again. The Knicks are pretty adamant about trying not to do this. They've been trying to do it though for years and no, no one like, will go there. Right. Nobody will go there, but now they're trying to build from the ground up because nobody will go there. And then the Clippers, they can't do it because they have no picks for the next hundred years. So they're out. The Warriors aren't going to do it. All the homegrown teams, Celtics, Bucks, all those teams, they they don't need to do it. I think that, I think the Nets might be the last one. This might be the last one of these for a while, for a couple of years. It's great. It's an awesome topic. You could go Thank deeper you. in this. Because if you present it that way, you present just the Nets timeline and go, this isn't, Great. I mean, think about what the Clippers have gotten out of their deal and all those picks that are going to come due later on. The so, fact by that, the way, that starts this this draft. Yeah. It's, I, I was, had an OKC fan. He was like, what are our clips? And I had a document where I had all of it written down and I sent it to him. And he was like, my God, it just keeps going and going. It's like, yeah, there's picks. It's going to like 2026. You're getting Clipper picks. I've always thought the correction will come on the picks. 
but I would tell you I completely disagree on the idea it's not going to happen again because of how bad it's gone. Because if it you were still presented with the option of like, hey, do you want two of these players that are awesome? Or oh, oh what what's your other thing? You're not going to take them. You're going to give it a shot in the draft and see where you're at in five years where I'm basically telling... Like, the Nets thing went bad. The Clippers thing went bad. I get it. But I, I think the next the next big market team that'll have a chance to cater to two stars, they're going to do it because that's what this league is. I just don't think that situation happens for three to four more years. So I think there's going to be a lull of the super team thing. And there's going to be a, a move now where it's like... We want to emulate these homegrown teams, the, the Bostons, the Milwaukee's. Okay, the but New think about Orleans's. what you're saying. Think, all right, first of all, Milwaukee's debatable homegrown, by the way. Um, no, it's not. They made they made the holiday Middleton trade. Middleton and Drew. So Middleton, I mean, technically drafted by Detroit, but he was like a second round pick and a G League guy. I mean, he's really a Milwaukee guy. Okay, all right, fine, fine, whatever. That's not the point of this. The point of the argument is, even though you make a great point, and I can't give you a specific answer to say, no, no, this is going to be the team that does it. I just don't understand why the next GM will say, hey, you can try with draft picks, which you have no certainty. You don't even know who you're getting because you don't want to cater to the superstar or you have a chance for these two players that both want to play here and you're immediately relevant and have a chance at this. I I still think people are going to do it. I think if it's the right two players, I think what's going to be less likely is like what happened with the Nets where you try to talk yourself into these expensive superstars that come with some warts and some baggage. That might be the thing. And maybe Philly is the last version of this where Philly, and I know it was a Daryl Morey kryptonite thing with, with Harden. He just loves the guy. But even that trade, man. Have you ever talked to Daryl about Harden? Like where you go, hey, do you, what do you think the deal is at the end? Or is it, can you not talk to him about that? I, this summer, I might, might try. During the season, you know, and plus like this stuff has become so either you're all in one way or you're just a hater and you're against it. There's like no middle ground with the Harden thing anymore. That's I think cool. the situ- No, I think it. the situation is what it is, you know? I don't think he's the same guy. Oh, we'll see what happens with the contract too, which I still think they'll probably end up doing. But I, I just wonder, God, can, you just, can you just look at the offensive efficiency over the course of a regular season and go, well, it's like some of the randomness of the playoffs where it'd be like, oh, well, the math just didn't work out that day. Like, I just wonder if that's his default because I'm sure he thinks I'm an idiot by questioning it, which is fine. But I don't know if you'd ever talk to him about it or if you could even share it with us. It sounds like you didn't and you won't. How many teams can win the title in your opinion right now? I have Phoenix. Boston, Milwaukee, Golden State, Phoenix. I have four and a half because I think Miami needs to be mentioned, but I also don't think they can win the title. But love I, Miami's I can see defense. the case. Right. I love Miami's defense, but some of these these hero defense yeah, numbers and the Duncan part of it, like as good as hero is as an option offensively, there's some alarming numbers. They're just not that very good of an offense. That's what this Atlanta series, you would have thought like maybe they'd be able to keep pace because it's not that tough to defend them. Yeah. And Jimmy Butler's kind of going back to that top 10 Jimmy Butler, the will to survive Miami Heat bubble team. So. They get the one seed. Kudos to them. Yep. They end up with this Atlanta team that's not very good. They get Embiid's thumb waiting for them in round two. 
Brooklyn gets knocked out, we think. Boston and Milwaukee, only one can survive that one. Miami ended up playing it perfectly. Everybody was so afraid to try to just go after the one seed. Miami did it, and like nine things worked out perfectly for that. Um, all right, my last question before we hear about what it was like to um, to live with two 14-year-olds for a week. I say this tentatively. <laughs> I don't want it used against me. I'm choosing my words carefully. Okay. This is not insulting. This is not a way for me to take a shot. In a vacuum, are the playoffs more fun this year without LeBron? No, because I think the Lakers thing would have been really funny to watch in a 1-8 matchup because I don't think it was going to go well. That's where I landed too. But whose spot are you giving them out of the eight West teams? Because I've enjoyed all the teams. I even enjoyed Goofy Denver with Jokic and the Yoka Jets. Who, whose spot are you taking? I don't want to knock out New Orleans. I've enjoyed the living hell out of New Orleans. It was so much more fun than watching fucking, uh, who was the white guy in the Lakers? Reeves? Listening to Reeves hit two threes in game two, followed by the Laker fans going, Reeves, look out. Here he comes. Take it easy Um, on Austin Reeves. Sorry. Minnesota. I don't want to bump Minnesota. I've enjoyed the hell out of Minnesota. Um, No, I don't want to bump. I definitely don't want to bump. I guess I give him Utah's spot because I don't enjoy watching Utah. Yeah, but see, the thing is, I know how much you loved watching the Lakers this year. So as much fun as this Pelicans thing would be, if the Lakers were to get it to 2-2, Against Phoenix, I would, I would really enjoy Booker, that. You're right. You would have right. been like, You're "This right. is even better than them being out of the playoffs," because you still wouldn't have thought they were going to win the series. And then a Monday morning ESPN lineup, mm. what LeBron mm. is—you know—they take out Phoenix. Somebody mm. would do it. Somebody take that. You go. This team's coming out of the West. I'm disappointed with LeBron's tweeting. I thought he would tweet more. I was excited for him to send tweets about guys that he played with that were kind of like, I taught him everything he knows kind of tweets like with Ingram today. I was yeah. waiting for the Ingram tweet. Nothing. Come on, LeBron, step it up. Brandon no, Ingram, was- young king. Come <laughs> on, give us something. He probably would have done that to his guy, Paul. Maybe that's why I didn't tweet about this game. Oh, interesting. Okay. All right. That's all I got. We, I guess there's not really a lot to talk about with Miami Atlanta. Minnesota, Memphis, nothing has changed since game three. What do you mean? Nothing's changed since game three. Well, just like it was that game four was so weird. I don't, I, I, my opinion that that's, that Memphis is in control of this series is not changed, even though it's 2 2. Okay. Um, Wise, you, do you feel like Minnesota has a chance to win that series? It's just such a weird, it's such a weird series. I think Memphis is the better basketball team. Yeah. When it's not the chaotic, but, Maybe because I thought so much of Memphis, I'm a little freaked out that it, that we're where we're at. Um, and there's some explanations for why we're here. I think some of their half court stuff has been challenging uh, at times. I haven't, I haven't loved some of the stuff that I've seen when they're running the half court offense. But yeah, the Phoenix headline part of this, just going to bed tonight thinking, oh wait, like this is actually now a three game series and this could happen. Uh, and then the Denver, you know, we, we didn't mention anything with Denver today because that very well at Wiggins, we mentioned it in the first pod, like we did, I, I, and we're just like, okay, what's Golden State going to look like on the next one? Uh, although I thought there was a great Dallas point to be made when Luca hit that three and they were targeting Gobert again, but 
Gobert held up well, and there was two or three buckets that Doncic made that you just go, actually, Gobert did everything you could ask of him in that spot, but it's still the plan to go at him and do those things. And Utah, I thought, attacked Doncic really well. But the way Dallas carried themselves with 40 seconds left, and I almost think that's how they lost the game. They could have dialed it back a tiny bit. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, my story from this week. You know I'm alone quite a bit. So when a buddy hits me up, a guy um, who used to play for the LA Kings came out, and I've known his son since he was born, basically, and he's a huge NBA fan. His name's Sully. Uh, and he was on my podcast when I was back in Vermont a couple years ago. It's the this fake Steve Kerr picture. So Sully and his boy Freddie uh, came out. They'd never hung out in Los Angeles before, and they're huge basketball fans. So the first day we're all in the car, we go on a little road trip, and they're like practicing. They go, it's so weird to be in the car with you because we listen to you on the podcast all the time. And my dad listens to you, and they're like, "Do you care if we impersonate you?" I was like, "Okay, no problem." And then they were like. I'm the biggest Donovan Mitchell fan there is, okay? So just so we're getting that out of the way now. But, and I've been very pro-Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> so like a 14-year-old kid <laughs> is doing this to me in the back of the car. And I kept asking like, hey, who are your favorite guys? Who are the guys you don't like? And they both were like reluctant to admit they still loved Westbrook. And mm. I started my Westbrook position and the kid's like, dude, I know it. I know you don't like him. I know you don't like him. And then they were even like, we feel like Bill doesn't like LeBron. And I go, I feel like he sounds like he doesn't like LeBron more than he actually, you know, does. I think we just point out some of the some of the corniest stuff. But um Yeah, we're just not Kool-Aid drinkers. Yeah, right. Yeah. I think that's so we go up to the Hollywood sign. Now I had never done it before. What a thrill. Mm. What a thrill yeah. that was. Moms out there getting their IG posts on with kids around. Uh then we walked through Rodeo Drive, and I think they were a little freaked out. We didn't see more famous people. And then we walked into Gucci because I just was like, yeah, let's just go in. And it's not fun. It's $5,000 slippers. You're just like, what, what's going on here? The so salespeople are staring at you. Totally. Because we were all just like assholes anyway. Yeah. And so they were kind of like, why are you guys in here? But I was like, whatever, we can go in here. Not a big deal. But I think the part that was hilarious was just having people in my house. And my buddy being like, is this, is this fucking up your whole world? And I'll go, look, I'll admit it's weird now to like come home to stuff not being exactly the way it is because there's never anyone here. And it's just, you know, growing up, I wasn't the cleanest. Now I'm like immaculate about it, but being like, yeah. I want this here, I want that because it's just me and I don't have to worry about it. So that can, that can, that can screw with you a little bit. And then I was like, oh, okay. So I got to make sure I do towels for everybody and all this stuff. But these kids were awesome. And my favorite thing, one of the, well, all the, we did a lot of cool stuff. We played hoops a couple of times together. We went out to Venice. They ended up making some video that ended up on this, this, uh, social media service that had like 2 million views. They wanted to interview me. I passed. I let them take the mic for it. But last night when me and the dad, we were like, hey, flight tomorrow. I was like, I got 10 hours of basketball to watch. Like you guys do whatever you want. You stay up, play video games. Not, you know, last day of the vacation. As soon as we went to bed, they ordered $60 worth of food from KFC at like 1130 at night. <laughs> Cause they thought it was the <laughs> coolest thing ever. That somebody's <laughs> going to show up to your house that late. And like, I'm asleep, but not all the way out in my bedroom. I'm like, what the hell's going on out there? And I wake up and there's famous bowls, there's chicken, there's biscuits. And it's just, now it wasn't terrible. They didn't make like a huge mess, but there was all this food left over. And I was like, what were you guys doing? And they were like, well, it was the last night. Like we had to order chicken. KFC extravaganza. Yeah, you, you idiot. <laughs> 
<laughs> so that was it. Then you had all this KFC the next day. You just had to figure out what to do with. Yeah. Yeah. I think I was like, yeah, no, I'll definitely get into this later. And his dad looked at me being like, you're not going to eat this. Are you leftover KFC? Probably not. Probably not the next day. My Ben but. Simmons, the, the non-quitter Ben Simmons, um, he, we tried to take Postmates off his phone. It keeps regenerating. We don't know how it happens. Last night, like $50 at McDonald's, same thing. He just got hungry around nine o'clock. $50 at McDonald's, one guy? Yeah. yeah. How's that even possible? He's going through a growth spurt right now. $50? Yeah. Well, he's, he, when he gets Postmates, he's thinking of it like as a three meal thing for him. He eats some, he put, he puts stuff in the fridge. He'll eat it like three hours later. He'll eat it for breakfast the next day. It's, I've never seen anything like it. Right. And then when they do the thing where it's like, you still have seven minutes to throw some cigarettes and Seagram's on. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> you know, he hairline fractured his ankle, my son. Oh, I didn't know this. When did this happen? Uh, about three weeks ago, skateboarding. We told him not to skateboard anymore because he's going to play football this year. Don't fuck around. Don't get hurt. You're going to get hurt. No, no, I'm not. I'm not going to get hurt. And the skateboarding was escalating a little bit. And he was in like one of those bowls, you know, like to have like a r actual skate park and thought he like broke his ankle and was the most upset. I, my wife, I was at the Masters. My wife said he was the most upset he's ever been. Um, so the skateboarding career is now over. Gave away his skateboards. He's done. Gave them all away. Yeah. So he'd like that. So he lucked out. It was like the four week hairline fracture, but it's fine. Like didn't hurt the growth plate, anything like that. But he's been in a cast for the last three weeks and we've just been obliterating him. Like you think we were hard on Trey Young in the pod today? Way harder in our house. Just absolutely calling him like the cripple and just, like, just destroying him. <laughs> saying he's getting chubby. Like, we're just, we're, it's just all three of us are just tag teaming him um, about just what a dumbass he is because we never want him to skateboard again. He's, he's now, he's broken a foot and a hairline fracture of his ankle skateboarding because he just is like fearless. So anyway, we're sending him to football because that football will be much healthier. <laughs> yeah. That's the, At least they keep scoring football. Is he going full pads? Full yeah, deal? Yeah. Mid so what are the be freshman gra year? Graduates eighth grade. And then like 10 days later, the football starts. Like real, we're going all summer. And that's Look it. Out. You'll come. You'll come. I'm going to no, get, get a jersey. He's pretty fired up about it. But right now, can't, uh, can't walk. So gets it off next week. All right. Not well, great. Tell him I said, hey. I didn't know that. Tell him I said, what's up? Yeah, the boys, boys are just uh, nuts, as you just saw. Anyway. Um, all right. You have two podcasts this week. Yeah. I have a rewatchables tomorrow night. We did a league of their own. Do you think Dottie dropped the ball on purpose? Never saw it. Oh, there you go. Um, we might do um on you you and I might pop on the prestige TV pod and do we own we own this city. We own the city or we own this city. Sounds good. David Simon. Yeah. It's uh in Bernthal, my guy. So we might pop on there and review the first couple episodes too. And this podcast was produced by Kyle Creighton. Steve Cerruti, um, destined to be rooting for Ben Simmons on the Orlando Magic in about a year, possibly this year. Would you rule out Ben Simmons getting traded this summer? Getting spun for assets? I wouldn't rule no. it out. No. Yeah. Why would I rule it out? I mean, there's going to be three things that happen that none of us could predict right now anyway. So yeah. why not? 
Dylan Berkey. Thanks to him too. And we will see you on this podcast on Tuesday.